Hello, welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources in how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Knowing your mission. There's a great quote by the author David Data who writes on men's issues. Quote, your mission is your priority. Unless you know your mission and have aligned your life to it, your core will feel empty, unquote. I completely agree. Nothing in life is quite so invigorating for men as living a purpose-driven life. When a man's internal compass is oriented towards a mission that excite him, he is accessing powerful masculine energies. These energies are called to the man and resonate within the man. He is, in every sense, in alignment. Men who live with no sense of purpose tend to be restless. There's a sense that the most important thing is not being honored and lived. Men with no mission tend to lean on distractions to keep their minds occupied. Energetically, they are looking away from what they know is essential. And let's face it, society sells a monotonous vision of masculinity, tells you to get a job, save and provide well for your family, and try to take care of yourself. It's a flat, uninspiring vision, and it creates men that play it too safe. There's absolutely no adventure or juice for those who follow society's exhausted design for its men. Having a working mission statement acts as a lifeboat when the waters of life get rough. It will let you know whether you're on your true path or distracted with trivial pursuits. It aligns you with powerful energies and plugs you right into the collective masculine with all its wisdom, clarity, and courage. Mission and purpose create inspiration, and inspiration is the spark plug for men. Inspiration, as I'm defining it, is that spark felt in the heart that seems to open things up in your life. Inspiration helps light the way on your hero's journey, and it's felt in your body as excitement and joy and gratitude. When you're inspired, you just know it, and so does everyone else. It tends to have a ripple effect on the environment you're in. Others can pick up on it. And I think it's important to know that inspiration is something we can choose. We don't have to sit back and wait, wondering when this elusive muse will pick us. We can give inspiration a proper invitation. And there are a lot of ways to do this. You can find inspiration in workshops, in nature. You can find it in meditation, in prayer, visualizations. And you can certainly find it in the men's work around the world. Harnessing inspiration is a big part of what we do in our men's groups. We do that by creating personal mission statements. And these mission statements give us clarity and courage. Without a clear mission, men tend to be too passive. Here's another quote by the author Bill Plotkin. He wrote uh, Soulcraft. Quote, Remember that self-doubt is as self-centered as self-inflation. Your obligation is to reach as deeply as you can and offer your unique gifts as bravely and beautifully as you're able. Unquote. So when a man is conscious of his life's meaning, alignment happens naturally. You don't need to force things into place. You don't carry that restlessness that comes from not knowing why you're here and what you're supposed to be doing. It's in your mission statement. You declare it and claim it, and nobody's going to hand it to you. As a man, you have to create it. Men who have a purpose that comes from their hearts can't be messed with. They are too clear. And men with clarity garner respect from all and the admiration of many. My guest today is Dr. Bob Baer. Bob has been a leader in the mental health and addiction field for 20 years. He holds advanced degrees in music, theater, clinical psychology, and organizational psychology. He's also the founder of the Braveheart Experience, which offers healing workshops for men in recovery. Bob is the author of The Creative Fire, a book about healing through creativity, 
and he has staffed over 87 of the Mankind Project's new warrior trainings. I got together with Bob to talk about men and their missions, men's personal development, addiction and trauma, and golf. Enjoy the interview. All right. I am here with Dr. Bob Bear. Bob, welcome to Base Camp for Men. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Tony. And um, so this, this episode, we're talking all about men and mission, why it's so important, why mission is important. And I guess my first question before we get into the mission stuff is what was the thing that first drew you into the men's movement or into men's work? Well, let's see. I'm kind of old, so it depends on which story shall I tell here. It really wouldn't matter which of my tales that I chose to respond with. For the most part, I would say it would be titled Pain. Pain has been a uh, guiding light for me. It's, it was the thing that I avoided for 35 years. And then, you know, in the early 90s, I had a child that died. And that just cracked me open for the first time uh, since I was a little boy. And I did not stop crying for months. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was a point in time I did not have any support. I didn't have any men who were sober or any men that knew anything about holding space. Uh, so I just slammed shut. And my wife at the time just couldn't tolerate it. And she left. And there I was with nothing. And uh, I was suicidal and in pain. And I was fortunate enough to have this pain at the time when the men's movement was just starting the fire. When Bly, Robert Bly, John Lee, Robert Moore, all those guys were just digging down into the earth of the psyche and bringing men together for gatherings. So I found a circle of men in Houston, Texas. We had a giant men's council in Houston, and we just wept together and found our joy and found to confront all of these old messages that we've been carrying about not crying and uh, I'm not scared of anything. And, uh, you know, anger was the only thing that was uh, acceptable and, you know, and then to medicate it all, which I had been doing for 35 years. So I cracked wide open and fortunately I found a circle of men in recovery. So uh, that's how I found my way. And I've been doing it for 30 years. Oh my God. It makes such a difference though, right? Like my involvement in the men's community has transformed my life, like like my my community of men that I have, these amazing, powerful, authentic men that have my back, no matter what comes up, any of the big trials and tribulations that men face, you know, I'm so blessed to have this community because I don't have to go it alone. And so part of doing this show and doing this work and these workshops that, that you do, it's to let men know there is another way besides isolating, correct? Yeah, there's another way. And, you know, I don't know, we're t- we've been fighting battles for centuries and putting our armor on. And it's actually pretty good not to cry and shake in fear and be uh, uh, emotional when you're in battle. You know, correct. I mean, we got yeah. a warrior in us. <laughs> you know, it's good. You know, the battles are less right now. We're not in the middle of the depression like my dad was and, or on the bow of a a Navy vessel in World War II, like my dad was. It's not a good time when the bombs are dropping to let go of that warrior. But the fact is, for most of us, we're looking for a war. <laughs> we're always waiting for the next war. So talking to a guy about, hey, let's talk about our feelings, is not going to work until he gets slapped around a little bit. Correct. And his warrior archetype stops working. 
he can't lead with it anymore. Men, yeah. you know, the, what's happening in our culture right now, we can't lead with the warrior anymore. Right. No, I know. It's so, obvious, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good archetype. There's, the, It's a good one, but it's not the only one. And we've got to, you know, be able to access that gentler lover in us, the blessing king, and the... Uh, there's a lot of transformation that needs to happen. We got to access that magician too. So, uh, you know, I'm a therapist, have been for 30 years. In the early days, I think I used to try to make people feel better. These days, I'm really trying to help people toward their pain because then change can happen. It points towards our trauma. Trauma and recovery are the two topics that I've been on mostly uh, over the last few years. It's like, um, it's, I think our unresolved trauma is running the planet right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see. Don't that. get me started. Don't get yeah, me yeah, started. No. Well, I want to, and I want to talk about the Braveheart experience, but first, why in your own words is mission and purpose so important for men? Because I, I talk to my wife and some of my female friends about what we do in, in the men's work. And, you know, I, I always mention mission and purpose. It seems so much more important to men. Like my wife's like, eh, yeah, and there, and my wife does amazing work in the world, but she's not driven by mission. It's all about relationships. It's all she just has, you know, wants to create all these relationships in the community, and then all this work gets, you know, just happens and unfolds. But if you were to ask her what her mission is, she would kind of look at you sideways, like, "Ah, eh, you know, I'm I'm here, I'm living, I'm doing my thing. It's all about the people." For me, I can't go about it that way. Like, I love my friends in the community, but if I'm not connected to my mission. I, I start getting really shifty and weird and having, you know, I, my mission really helps to keep me focused on why, why I'm here and how I'm serving. But why, in your view, like as a therapist, why does it seem to be such an important tool for men in particular? Well, over the years, I've been in different places with this topic. Uh, you know, in the, in the Mankind Project, that's a really important part of the process is to develop a mission of service in the world. It's very powerful, but there's been times where I've been kind of in your wife's camp, which is like, eh, I don't know if that's the whole thing. But really, to answer directly to it, if we don't have a mission of service, we will have a mission of destruction. Mm. And as an artist, you know, I'm also an artist and a theater guy, and have taught a lot of workshops. Wrote a, wrote a book called The Creative Fire, which is on Amazon, by the way, which is about accessing our creative expression. Because if you're an artist and you're not creating, you will be destroyed. So I think it works the same thing with mission. We are going to be building or attacking or creating or doing something. And if we don't have a focus, a focus guide within us, if we're not, we don't know what our true north is, our authenticity, the life that we're supposed to be living, we'll be living someone else's life, be resentful and create some kind of destruction. Now, you know, as long as the mission comes out of a pure place from our child, you know, the visualizations that we do to help a man find his mission come from a place of that divine child within us that really knew what was right for us, what was true for us before all of the chaos and trauma came into our lives. You know, some of us had some really serious trauma. You know, the longer I do this work, the more I find out we all have trauma, depending on your definition of it. And what trauma does is take us off of our trajectory. And then the older we get, the longer we go, we get further and further away from our authentic selves. And, you know, for men, I think we are really good at marching off on, you know, making goals and marching toward them, even if they aren't authentic for us. And what helps men get back toward their true life is some work around mission. And, you know, 
you and I have done this long enough. We know if life is chaotic, we're probably off mission. <laughs> and yeah. if I'm off my mission, I can bet that there's some chaos going on in my life. It's just useful for those of us that have been bouncing around the world without any direction to have something to focus on, I think. Yeah, that's great. And how has, how has your mission found its expression in your life? And has it evolved? Have you, have you set out, you know, once you got really connected, you went through this transformative experience, um, you know, when you, when you were in recovery and you got into the men's work, um, you started in that in Houston. Did, the, the mission that you kind of initially got in touch with is that the same mission you live today? Has it evolved? I know you said, well, there was a point where maybe it wasn't so front and center, but it seems to me like you're, you're kind of always in mission. You're always uh, helping and teaching and facilitating. And has it evolved over time to like for you creating the Braveheart experience or was that, was that another chapter because you, you had, you know, you'd staffed a bunch of men's weekends and then you decided, well, you know, I'm being called to work specifically with the men in recovery or, how has your mission kind of unfolded over the, I guess, the last 20 years or more? Well, authenticity, creativity, and healing. It's what I do, and it's what I enjoy doing. I've got a couple of more books in the, um, in the queue. One of them is called Healthy Selfishness. <laughs> I, I, like I, I really, I've, I've got it written, man. I've got to, like, cough it up here pretty soon. But the other one is Stop Doing Shit You Don't Want to Do. Hey, both of those sound like bestsellers to me. <laughs> those are great titles. The second one, you know, maybe it's because I'm older now, but man, if I'm doing something repeatedly that just doesn't feel right to me, I got a better compass within me about, wait a minute, this is not what I need to be doing with my time. And I think when you yeah. get a little older, wait a minute, if I'm going to start my life, I better get started pretty soon. A lot of what's happening in me, for me in my life and I think in the world, our biggest problem, and it's being mostly unaddressed, is stuff that happens to us in childhood will direct the rest of our life if we're not conscious of it and if we don't get it up and out of our bodies. You know, we're, we're from a culture that doesn't dance and sing and move and keep our bodies moving in a conscious way. Uh, and traditional initiations are, you know, our little world with the Mankind Project and, these, and the Braveheart experience and the three or four other products where we men have gotten together and tried to get this into the center of our culture. It's really just a tiny little segment. And I think I got about 10 or 15 years of vibrant uh, ability to bring some things into the world. And that's kind of my mission these days is uh, cranking up opportunities for more people to get a taste of the work that you and I know is the solution. That's fantastic, and and so the Braveheart experience. You're you're the founder, or co-founder. Did you did somebody else help you develop that, or was that yours alone? No, I'm the founder and developer. We do it at the Last Resort Treatment Center in Smithville, Texas. It's a fantastic offering, right, for men in recovery, um, and it's so needed. Like you said, I don't see, I don't know of anything else quite like it. Do you treat it like a rite of passage, like the New Warrior training, or is it, is it a hybrid? Do they get the sense of going through a hero's journey when they do a weekend with you there? Yeah, well, there's some resemblance to the uh, New Warrior training adventure. After all, I did almost 100 of those, and it's in my bones. But, you know, all of that comes from ancient traditions, too, and, you know, using mythology as well as psychodrama and 
bioenergetics and a variety of the, you know, the tools that we know work. But the Braveheart experience has a strong 12-step recovery umbrella over it. The, the theme, the mythology that we use relates to recovery. Uh, each of the processes has a uh, reference to the transformational work that, you know, for me, 12-step recovery is Carl Jung's, the manifestation of Carl Jung's psychology. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Carl Jung is a couple hundred years ahead of his time. Nobody, people are going to look back and say, why didn't they listen to him? Absolutely. Uh, well, well, the folks in AA and the other 30 12-step programs are listening and bringing it into a popular expression that's working for the people that work it. You know, they say that 12-step recovery isn't for everybody, you know, it's for yeah. the people that actually want to take action and make some transformation. So it really is the only workshop intensive initiation, if you will, that blends the intense programming of, uh, you know, bioenergetics and psychodrama, visualizations and team building exercises in combination with the deep 12-step immersion content. We've done 45 of them. Over 600 men have been through. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to start another treatment center called the Deep Waters Recovery Center. We're in the process of putting that team together to expand it so it's not just uh, so I can have these scores of women that keep coming to me and say, when, is, when are we going to be able to do this? Because I'm not just talking about men here. It's a species. It's the whole species. Women got told to be nice. Men got told to be tough. And neither of us got to be ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the, short, that's the short version. Yeah, it is. You're right. So what sorts of issues do you see men struggling with in our culture? Like as a collective, like what do you see as maybe men's kind of biggest Achilles heel or kind of, you know, a, a blind spot or just kind of a bit of arrested development that you see that you say, okay, collectively men, we need to, we need to evolve out of this. I would say emotional intelligence If I could just get everybody in a one-day training, all the men on the planet in one-day training, and I only get to have one topic, I suppose that would be it. The ability to know what I'm feeling. I just did a training with 20 therapists. You would think that therapists would know how to access and identify emotion in their body. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Not. Yeah. 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 So A would be, you know, there's four parts to emotional intelligence. Feeling. What do I feel? The ability to feel, you know, have some empathy for the other person, the ability to have some regulation as well as uh, some, some influence over my own expression of emotion, and then to have presence, which is also the doorway to mindfulness. But I would say men were told not to feel for centuries, and now we've got a, we've got a planet that's dying and we can't even feel it. So it's a little bit more than just a little touchy feel. Yeah, you better learn how to feel. I think we better learn how to feel if we want to survive as a species. That's my short, that wasn't a short answer, but that's as short as I can answer anything. (laughs) Yeah, well, and that was beautifully said. I mean, I've been saying all along that we tend to lead up in the head. We're goal-driven. Like you had mentioned earlier, the, the warrior archetype has been what we've been taught. We're not taught to be in our hearts. If we're lucky, maybe we have a parent or or a sibling that teaches us some of that. But men, for the most part, they don't trust their gut. They don't trust their heart. And they often don't know how to access it. And here we are, like you had said, like we've pushed ourselves to the brink with the planet. 
and men's ability to access their heart, men's ability to express what they care about deeply with other men and women and children is a big key for what's going to happen. My, my son, you know, he, he's, a, he's 12 years old and he's really concerned about the planet. And when he, when he hears stuff like there's a plastic ball the size of Texas out in the ocean, he gets really upset. And, you know, what I've told him, you know, my version, my clumsy way of fathering, you know, I say, we've got to figure this out. Part of what we've got to figure out is how do we all start to feel again? And how do we all start to care? And it's going to take everybody doing the work to grow this kind of heart space so that we can listen. We can listen to each other. We can listen to the Mm -hmm. planet. We'll know what to do, but we can't do it from an ego place. We can't do it from, I'm going to be the guy that solves the plastic problem. It's (laughs) how do we collaborate as a human race? How do we start to get back in partnership with the planet? Because we've been doing things that are not in partnership and now there's a cost to it. And you don't even have to be ecologically aware to understand this. It's the signs are all around us. And so that, yeah. that's what I see. And it's, it's just another way of saying exactly what you said, which is it's in the feeling, it's in the heart. We've got to get there. We've got to teach that and spread that. And the next generation has to. And as consciousness evolves, hopefully our creativity will come up with solutions I think there's solutions to all of the ecological problems, but we got to get there from a consciousness point of view. Otherwise, we're stuck in the old way of looking at it and we just can't figure it out. Yeah, I know a lot about addiction. You can look at our species as an addict. The entire species is an addict. And the only thing that really works for an addict to dive into recovery is pain. And the problem with this one is there's going to be one of two things that happen. Go right up to the edge and almost lose ourselves as a species or it's the end of the species. It's going to be one of those two things, unfortunately. The only other way to do it is to intentionally have the pain, which is also known as trauma resolution. So, you know, hurt people hurt people. Did you ever hear that one? Yep. Well, those are the people that hurt people. They're people that are hurt. The opposite of that is transformed people transform people. Mm -hmm. So what we've got to do is create communities of people healing each other's trauma. And the world doesn't even know they're traumatized. It is appropriate for men to be shut down and unfeeling because we've been slapping each other around for centuries. It is appropriate to not trust when I'm in that place. So we've got to create places where people can come in and not trust and scream that they don't trust until they can trust. That's what I'm committed to in these last years before I just golf, only golf. There will be a point in time when I do nothing but golf. (laughs) But in the meantime, I'm going to build some spaces where men and women can come in and drop the weaponry long enough to heal their trauma and move into missions of healing in the world. I mean, we got to do it, Tony. Who else? I mean, who else is going to do it if we don't do it? I hear you. You know what's funny, Bob, is I have the same life plan. Like, I'm like, I've just got to put this important information out there, get it to the right people. And then I'm golfing because I love golf too. I'm like, then I'm just going to golf. But I, I have this sneaky suspicion that the divine is like, that's fine. You can think you're just going to golf when you're 70, but we've got other plans. I just, I know that coming with my growing king elder energy is mentoring, is carrying a different sounding message as I get to be 60, 70, 80. I want to golf a lot, but I also have to continue Mm -hmm. to the divine who might say, you can't golf as much as you wanted to because we've got some things we need you to tend to, please. Yeah, well, I told you I'm going to write the book. Stop (laughs) doing shit you don't want to do. So I don't know. You better read the book. Okay. And I'm down golfing, man. I'm all all for that. So my last question is, what are 
two or three of the most courageous things you've done in relation to your own hero's journey. So for me, I just want to share with you, I'm also in recovery. I've been, um, I haven't drank in over six years, six years, I passed uh, March 7th. And me getting sober was definitely a part of my hero's journey. I was stuck. I was really depressed and I was drinking to try to find my way out of it. And it just wasn't working. And my marriage was on the rocks. There was a lot of things that weren't going well. I got sober and everything lifted. All of a sudden, it indicated that the hero was back on the hero's journey. All of a sudden, I wrote a book. All of a sudden, I'm being asked to lead and teach workshops. And then the other, the other one that I wanted to mention to you is I had a huge breakthrough. You might not have had this as part of your hero's journey, but I had a huge fear of public speaking. I hated public speaking. I was too self-conscious. I, I didn't do it well. I was okay in men's groups and small, but I didn't want to address big crowds. But that has changed. I've embraced the front of the room and it has transformed another chapter in my life. So, you know, it, again, I always like to say it indicates that the hero's back on the march. He is, he's faced that demon. Oh, now it's another cool. chapter and we have new responsibilities because now all of a sudden he's not afraid of the front of the room. So now we can have, actually have him speak over here. And so those are two of mine right. that I like to give. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what, what, when you look back on your life, what are two or three of the courageous things that you did that indicated the hero's back on the move again? The thing that uh, slapped some of the selfishness out of me, I just put that as uh, being a dad. That was, that's the first thing that comes to me is that I have a 16-year-old and she's amazing. And uh, I, I can't take any real credit for it, but I know one thing. Up until she came into my life, I was uh, 97% selfish. I'm going to do what I want to do. And for the most part, like my dad used to tell me, he said, well, I'll give a body part if I have to. I mean, it's true. I'll do anything for her. So I think that's one of God's natural hero's journey steps along the way to kind of slap the selfishness and the youthful air flying boy out of us and bring us down to earth. So I don't know. I've cranked up some pretty cool stuff that uh, people told me I couldn't do. How about that? I got a buddy who's very wealthy and, and successful. And, you know, everybody asked him, what do you do? Uh, how'd you do it? And he said, well, I just went through the doors that said, do not enter. And, uh, <laughs> I love yeah. and I've done, I've done quite a few of those, you know, I just start, especially when a door says do not enter, it gets my attention. That's great. That's fantastic. Anyway. Well, you're, you're doing so much good work. I want to thank you for being on the show. Super insightful. I hope to have you back again. Um, please keep us posted on the book and we will let everybody know as they get to print and stuff where they can find those. I'll be mentioning it at the end uh, after we close up our recording here. But thank you so much. Thank you for your service, Bob, to men, to humanity. Thanks for leading with your heart, being a mentor to so many men. I have a ton of gratitude for you and what you've done. And thank you for being on the show and sharing some of your wisdom today. Mm, back at you, Tony. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dr. Bob Baer. I love what Bob said about how when men are not living from a place of mission, there tends to be chaos, and that if a man is not fighting for his mission, he will tend to be looking for a fight. He said much of what we are seeing today is the remnants of this imbalance. And one of the last things that Bob said resonated with me the most, that if we don't collectively learn how to feel again, we're in big trouble. In many ways, our ability to awaken this capacity for feeling, for heart, for empathy, both for one another and for our planet, is at the center of our collective hero's journey. This seems to be true not only for us men, 
but for a whole species, as Bob so eloquently stated. I picked up a copy of Bob's book, The Creative Fire, on Amazon, and I'm looking forward to reading it. And you can find out about the Braveheart experience, Bob's pioneering training for men in recovery, at www.creativelifeinstitute.com. I hope to help him staff that one day, as well as play a round of golf with Dr. Bob. So men, my coaching is to do your work to clarify your mission. A working mission is simply too important to leave in your toolbox. It gives you a compass and gives you clear priorities. If you're unsure how to start, go to www.basecampformen.com and look under free stuff for instructions on how to create a proper mission statement. And don't worry about getting it just right. Start now and let it evolve. Your simple desire to live with a clear purpose will start to draw your mission towards you. Thank you for listening to the show. I'm Tony Rezac, and we'll see you next week on Basecamp for Men.